0: The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. Well, sometimes we need to stop and look back and see how far God has brought us. Uh, if you haven't seen the full version of that, that was a couple minutes from about a 15-minute video that we have on our website, and it's one that about once a week, I go back and watch. Uh, because as a leader, this, this December will be five years since God called Melanie and me up to Cornerstone. And sometimes I, I get so um, fixed on how far we still have to go that I forget how far we've come. Uh, and it's, it's biblical, it's, it's godly to pause and to look back and see how far... God has brought you. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. You're probably not so concerned with how far Cornerstone has to go. You're more concerned um, with your own life. Uh, you've set out to follow God in some area. Maybe in this rebuild series in particular, as we're in the book of Nehemiah, you've decided, I- I'm going to rebuild in my marriage. Or I'm going to rebuild my legacy. I'm going to rebuild my walk with God. And you have set out to follow God and you've been seeking God first and you, frankly, you've been working hard and you're tired, you're discouraged, you're worn out. Maybe you have come very far and, and then you got a little glimpse of how far you still have to go and it was just overwhelming for you. That's the moment that we're talking about today. I was reading about uh, Thanksgiving this last week and uh, was reminded of a kind of an elementary history class uh, story that I forgot all about, about when you get halfway there. Do you guys remember this um, from school, that the Mayflower was halfway across the Atlantic uh, when it encountered this huge storm, and one of the masts, one of the uh, beams at midship broke, had this big old crack in it, uh, and, and it was so severely broken that a, a lot of the people on the ship thought, uh, there's no way we can make it, it's not safe to keep going, they were halfway there, and they saw how far they still had to go, and they just thought, "No, it's it's just too much. It's too hard." Uh, and you might remember that Captain Miles Standish said, "No, we're we're going to figure out a way to fix this." And a bunch of the craftsmen uh, on the on the Mayflower got together, and down there in the hole, they they put together this thing underneath that mast that uh, was starting to break, and they made it. Uh, They made it the rest of the way. That might be the moment that you find yourself in today. That's the moment we're going to find God's people in, in Nehemiah chapter 8. If you're not there yet, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8. God's people have come so far. They've worked so hard. They've physically rebuilt the walls. They've even rebuilt their towns inside the walls. And then they go and they seek God. And as they do, God reveals how much further they still have to go and it overwhelms them Uh, to the point of of grieving and of sorrow. And that's our big idea today. When you're discouraged about how far you still have to go, take time to pause and celebrate. When you're discouraged, when when you really are running after God and and seeking his will for your life and you get to that moment where it's just, there's so far to go, just pause for a moment. Take a breather and celebrate how far God has brought you. I wonder where in your life, if if you can just really open up your heart for a moment and think, you know, where in your life do you feel that way right now? Uh, Is it in your relationship with God? Uh, Is it some, you know, sin struggle or addiction or habit that that you, you okay, I'm I'm really going to I'm going to go after God, I'm gonna, I, I want to walk in newness of life, I want to do this thing God's way. Uh, maybe it's a, your relationship with your kids or with your spouse, there's some area and you, you've set out, you really are trying to do things God's way, and you're just a little bit discouraged at how far you still have to go. As I often do after I had you know, really prayed over this text, and, and, I, and I was praying for you guys, and I often ask God, you know, Father, what's your heart? You know, from your unchanging word, what is your heart that you want communicated to your people? And one of my favorite things about this chapter is, uh, we'll see as we read it. To me, it's very surprising the order of it. I feel like Nehemiah chapter eight should be Nehemiah chapter one. Uh, the The people um, they got things out of order. The people aren't perfect but God doesn't seem to be too upset with the fact that they're not perfect. I think there are times in our lives when we think God is upset with us because we're not doing everything perfect, and really God is saying, hey, rejoice. Just, just, just calm down and rejoice because you have surrendered to me. You have trusted in me. So, so stop nitpicking yourself, and I know you're not perfect, that's okay. The fact that you've trusted in me is cause for rejoicing. We're going to see today, once again, that our perfection is not what gets God's approval. It's Christ's perfection, right? And it's, it's your faith in Christ, the fact that you've trusted in Christ. When God sees you, he sees Christ's perfection. It's our simple trust in him that he's looking for. So as you're turning to Nehemiah 8, let's put this up on the screen, this context context. God's people are trying to live God's plan, but when they realize how far they still have to go, they get discouraged. Maybe I'm the only one here who ever uh, struggles with that, but I can relate to that. So let's read Nehemiah chapter 8. I'll read it aloud here. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, you might remember once they finally finished building the walls, then they went inside the city and rebuilt their towns. All people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. Richard Nixon was there. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses. So do you get that? They're seeking God's law, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Verse 2, So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. You guys guys up for a six-hour church service? As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of all those people who could understand, and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Skip to verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. As he opened it, the people all stood up. I won't make you guys do that. I've been in churches that do that, but I'm going to let you guys just, you know, enjoy yourselves, okay? Verse 6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, you can skip to verse 8, the Levites read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. I'm just going to pause there and explain why. You might say, why? Why are they crying that the Bible's being read? Well, if you remember, if you've been with us in this series, God's people had been exiled. They had been scattered. Jerusalem was, was in ruins when Nehemiah showed up. And, and God, working through Nehemiah, brought the people together. And we've learned so many incredible principles in this journey through Nehemiah that we have to reprioritize, we have to recommit, we have to work together to build God's walls. And, and as the people of God put God's plans above their own, it ended up benefiting them. They end up with this city where now their walls are enclosed. They have the infrastructure of an ancient metropolis once again. They can do business. They can be safe. They can start to really build an economy together. And so then they build their houses. Well, in all this time, they still haven't looked at the Bible. They, they haven't, you know, we would normally say, okay, you start with the spiritual, right? And then you get to the physical, that's why I say chapter 8 should be chapter 1, right? Shouldn't this be where they started? And then, okay, now we're going to go rebuild the walls. They, they did it out of order. And they, they, I think they see that. And they see, wow, we've done all this rebuilding physically. We haven't even started rebuilding spiritually. And they just get overwhelmed. Why? Because in their hearts, they want to follow God. That's why they're overwhelmed. Uh, if they had a, an attitude of, well, God, that's your idea, but I've got my own plans for my life, then they wouldn't be grieving, right? They're grieving because they want God's plan for their lives. They see how far they still have to go. And you'd kind of think that God, through his leaders, um, would say in his inspired word here, yeah, you're right. You all should mourn. You all should fast. You should be pretty ashamed of yourselves. Because you totally neglected my word. And then you built these walls and and you haven't even read my word. You, You know, isn't that how some of us think of God? But let's see how God does respond through his leaders. Verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, for this day is sacred, do not grieve. Then all the people, they obeyed, they went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. In other words, don't just be depressed that you have so far to go. Rejoice that God has brought you this far and he's revealed to you the way to go. So so just take a break and celebrate. Rejoice. Let's skip over verses 13 to 17. Point being, they look at God's word and they obey God's word. And there's some details in there about how they did it. Verse 17, the whole company that had returned from exile built booths and lived with them. That was one of their customs that they got out of God's word. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the feast for seven days, and on the eighth, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. So there's a whole lot of meat in here. Uh, but verse 10, we we find this kind of key verse, this theme that we're drawing out, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And and I want to ask you again, are you discouraged about how far you still need to go in your marriage? Do not grieve, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, Maybe you've made huge strides in, in some addiction or some sin issue, but but there's so far to go do not grieve the joy of the lord is your strength maybe it's a health struggle you've gone to so many doctors and recently you got a report in your eyes i'm not even halfway there and i don't even i don't even know if there's ever going to be an end to this health struggle do not grieve the joy of the lord is your strength maybe it's a teenager or a child that you thought you know hey once they get to this age i'm pretty much going to be done and they got to that age, and you realize, I'm not even halfway there. This is where it gets messy. It's okay. Don't grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Maybe it's your relationship with God himself. You know, you, you have been seeking him. You're, you're trying to know Christ. You're, you're trying to read his word, but there's, there's times when you, you look at yourself, and you think, I'm just falling so short. It's okay. Don't grieve. The joy of the Lord is is your strength. One of the important principles here is that the people of God had predetermined to obey God. They had predetermined to obey God. And we can put that on the screen. Have you predetermined to live God's life for you? This is why Nehemiah and Ezra say, hey, calm down and rejoice. Because they see the people are so set on obeying God no matter what that they're overwhelmed. And they're they're not saying rejoice. I don't think they would be saying rejoice if the people were like, oh, that's God's word, big deal, right? There would not be cause for rejoicing. So my question for you is, have you predetermined whatever God says, I will do? That's why there's cause for such great rejoicing here. Because the people of God have a heart before God that says, whatever God says, we will do it. Have you ever been in that position in life where, um, you know, uh, whatever this person says, I will do it? Uh, I, I, I thought of an example that I think we can all relate to, and I'm sorry that it's a little bit crude. Have you ever been on a road trip or in another scenario where you really, really, really have to go to the bathroom? And you run into the gas station or the restaurant or the business, and you ask an employee, where's the bathroom, right? You have predetermined at that moment. If they say this way, you're going to run that way, right? And if they say this way, you're going to run that way. We, we can all relate to that, right? That's kind of a silly example, but that's, that's what it is to predetermine. Uh, this happens in John chapter 2. Jesus' mother, Mary, who has known him for 30 years, she's seen um, just the, the, the goodness of his divine nature. And she's seen his power. And they're at this wedding, right? And the wedding runs out of wine. And, and it's Jesus' first miracle. And, and Jesus' mother, Mary, in John chapter 2, says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Mary just knows whatever Jesus says, it will solve the problem. It might seem a little weird, but just do it, right? Uh, we see a similar thing. In Luke chapter 5, when when Jesus is calling the disciples, see if I can find this, Luke chapter 5 verses 5 and 6, you you remember this story, Simon Peter's out fishing, he's been out fishing all night, he's caught nothing, and Jesus shows up and Jesus says what? Cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Here's Peter, professional, commercial fisherman, he's been out all night, he kind of knows what he's doing, right? Uh, This is a crazy request. But but he obeys, and so he throws his nets on the other side of the boat. And then what happens? The nets are so full that the boat starts tipping over, right? And the nets start breaking. There's so many fish. And, and there's, this, there's this verse where Peter says, because you say so, I will. That's what we're talking about when we say a predetermination. Jesus, whatever you reveal through your unchanging word, whatever you reveal for my life, I will. And that's where the people of God were. And they saw what he had for them and it just overwhelmed them. And and, and God says to them through their leaders, rejoice that your heart is in the right place. Rejoice that you have been seeking God. He has been with you. And rejoice that he's revealed to you what the next steps are. Don't, Don't be depressed. Take a moment to celebrate. Today you can predetermine I will, as a follower of Jesus, do whatever he says with my life. And and in the Gospels, we really see this is the journey of the disciples, is over and over this test. Will they follow Jesus when it doesn't make sense? When they have to leave everything they know behind, will they follow Jesus? And we see, thankfully, that they're not perfect at it. Just like the people in Nehemiah weren't perfect at it. Just like I'm not perfect at it. And I think that's part of the point of stopping to to celebrate. It's not about how perfect you are. It's about how faithful your God is. So just decide in your heart, again, I'm I'm going to predetermine to obey God. And when you decide that, you have cause for great rejoicing. I want to give you guys another principle from Nehemiah 8. Here's the principle. When we obey what God has already revealed, he then reveals the next step, and you obey again, and your spiritual snowball begins. Here's what I mean. Think of this as two pedals on a bicycle, okay? God reveals something to you, and you obey it. It's like pushing down the pedal on one side. Then up comes a new revelation, uh, some, something from his word, something that you're going to hear, that, uh, and you realize, oh, I need to also change this in my life, or I need to make that decision, You obey again, and up comes another revelation. As you continue to do that, that's really how the snowball, you know, a big old snowball rolling down a mountain, and it just gets bigger and bigger. That's how you grow spiritually. You you, you just obey what God reveals from his word. We're not talking crazy writing in the clouds stuff, okay? You obey God, and then he will show you the next step. Then you obey him again, and he'll show you the next step. Uh, This is a huge principle because for a lot of us, we'll get to a point in our lives where we think if I just um, get more knowledge, I can just get the understanding part of it. I don't have to obey in this one or two little areas. You know, that area is kind of, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And we don't realize that because we've stopped obeying in some little things, yes, God still loves us. Yes, our salvation is by grace alone. We'll still be in heaven, right? But our spiritual growth stops. And in fact, I see, this, I see this a lot with people who've been in the church for decades. They get to a place where their their understanding, their revelation of God's word outpaces their obedience. And you know what happens when you allow that to happen? That you keep getting more and more facts about scripture, but somewhere you stopped obeying in some little area, your heart gets hard. gets cold. And maybe you're in a place and you're like, I just... I want to know what God's next step is, but I, I, he, I, he won't show me. Well, maybe it's just that you've got to push the obedience pedal down in some area in your life, and that revelation pedal will pop back up. So that's kind of a, a principle of spiritual physics I just wanted you guys to be aware of. And we see it here in Nehemiah 8, right? They have obeyed God by rebuilding the wall, and so now comes this new revelation. Uh, And by revelation, I just mean understanding. Here's the next step to take, right? And and it overwhelms them because they're fully predetermined to obey that as well. So I I call this the obedience-understanding loop, you know? If you want to picture like those recycling arrows, you know? You obey, recycling arrow, more revelation or understanding from God's word, which leads you to obey again, which leads to more understanding. You keep doing that, and, and you will grow spiritually, But at any point in the loop, you stop obeying. In in the littlest, silliest things, God still loves you. He wants you to get back on track, but, but you stop growing spiritually when that happens. Okay, let's look at three reasons why you can rejoice today. First, rejoice that God has brought you this far. Rejoice that God has brought you this far. Once you predetermine to obey God's plan, you have great cause to rejoice with God and his angels. Let me give you two scriptures on this. 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, Old Testament scripture. The people of God are thinking, God wants a big sacrifice from us. He wants us to to, slaughter these animals. And and here's what Samuel says. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. It's a broken and a contrite heart that God is looking for. That's true worship before him. Luke chapter 15, all three of the parables that Jesus gives, of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and then the lost prodigal son. In every single one, when that lost thing is found, there's a celebration, there's a party. And it's in, it's in chapter uh, 15 verse 7 that Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. In other words, God's saying there's a celebration. God celebrates. When you come to that place where you say, okay, I'm I'm turning back to God. I'm going to obey God's plan for my life. God rejoices and all of heaven with him when we respond to his understanding with humble obedience. We all know the disciples weren't perfect. Perfect but they were were faithful. They'd fall down, and then they'd get back up and say, yeah, I I do want to follow Jesus. And some of us are such perfectionists. And really, it's it's a matter of having our eyes on ourselves more than God. We get paralyzed by our own failures. And I just want to encourage you today, if you've had that heart in the past, to obey Jesus no matter what, just fan that into flame today. Celebrate that today, that that you can predetermine to follow Christ. Here's another reason to rejoice today. Rejoice that God has revealed the way forward. Rejoice that God has revealed the way forward. For us, he's revealed this in his unchanging word, which is an incredible gift. And and even even since scripture was completed 2,000 years ago, in church history, it's so rare what we have, this gift of having... (laughs) All 66 books together, in in lots of different kinds of translations that are helpful in different ways. We we should be rejoicing that God has revealed. Here's how to follow Christ with your life. After you obey, God opens up your spiritual eyes so that when you look into His Word or you hear it preached, you see, okay, this is my next step. Rejoice that He's revealed that next step to you. That, that's a great privilege that you know what the next step is. There are many illustrations of this where people are in life-threatening situations and, and they find the way out. All right, back in September, we uh, read a story from the World, the World Trade Center towers and there were these stairwells where there were these uh, firemen saying, this is the way out. Think of the, the rejoicing in a sense for a person who was pretty sure they were going to die when you see a light in the distance and you run towards it. And it's someone who knows what they're saying and they're say, they say, go this way. And there's people who found the right stairwells and made it out of there alive. We forget sometimes that's what God's word is to our souls. Psalm 119 says, you know, what this is what lights your way in a dark world. Have you forgotten I mean, the people of God in Nehemiah 8, the chapter starts with them seeking God's word. They say, Ezra, open up the law of God to us. Have you forgotten that God's God's path for your life has been revealed to you in Christ and in his word? What a thing to rejoice about. We see that in verse 12. The people celebrated with great joy because they now understood that the words that had been made known to them. You know, Scripture talks about before we know Christ, our eyes are blinded. Um, you might have someone in your life who's not a believer and, and, and you show them a passage or you you, you you tell a verse to them and they don't get it and, and you think, why don't they get it? Well, Scripture says our eyes are blinded until until we trust in Christ as our Savior. And then, now, you have... What these people had in verse 12, they now understood the words. This last week, or I guess it was a, yeah, it was this last week, you know, I, I got to a point where I, I've just been running so hard in so many different areas. I just needed to fill up on God's word. I, I needed to, to rejoice in his word. And, you know, there's lots of great translations out there. Um, this is not the best translation for, for deep, deep Bible study, but the message, which is really a paraphrase more than a translation, is really helpful if you want to read a whole book in one sitting. And I thought, I, w- I want to read 2 Corinthians, uh, all 13 chapters of um, or, uh, the whole thing in one sitting. I just want to sit down and read the whole thing. So I grabbed the message and uh, went to a, a restaurant in town and just sat down by myself in the evening, and and just spent the evening just reading 2 Corinthians. And I can't explain to you guys how much it just filled me up. Uh, And maybe you're here today and you've had moments like that in the past, but it's been a while since you've just sat down with God's Word and just filled your soul up. Uh, It's this neglected gift that we have, this flashlight in the darkness that we rarely turn on. And when we do, there's cause for great rejoicing. God has been so gracious to us to reveal his word to us and his path for our lives. We find a third reason for rejoicing here. Rejoice that the same God who brought you this far, he will be your strength. It's so interesting to me, I already mentioned this, but that God's not, he's not frustrated with these people for being imperfect or for doing things out of order. He's just rejoicing that they're yielded to him and tells them you should rejoice because you're yielded to God. Look at that in verse 10. The Lord himself is your strength, not your perfectness. Here's how the end of verse 10 puts it. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In Nehemiah 8, we see that you don't have to have everything perfect in your life, to take the next step of obedience. Maybe God brought you here today just to hear that. You don't have to have everything perfect in your life to just take the next step of obedience. Just just that next step. Don't worry about the next 50 steps right now. Just, Just the next step. You don't have to be perfect, and you don't have to have everything perfect to take that next step. Why? Because the Lord is your strength. And as long as your heart's in a place that says, God, whatever you reveal, I'm stepping into it. I trust in you. Then he's going to take care of the steps that follow. So be encouraged by this. Be encouraged. You don't have to have everything perfect to take the next step in your obedience. And let's close with this kind of a summary. A recipe to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. A recipe to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. First, seek God's word. We saw that in verses one and two, right? They said, open open the law of God to us and then obey God's word. And some of you here, I know you have been doing that and and you're tired. And so today, you can celebrate God's work in community with other people. Seek God's word. God, what... What does your word say? And then predetermine, God, whatever you say for my life, I will do. And then celebrate that together with other believers. Have you been maybe living kind of the life of a spiritual hermit? You've been seeking his word, you've been obeying it, but it's been really a solo act. Well, whether it's Nehemiah 8 or the whole New Testament, we see God's plan, the fullness of following him, is done in community with other brothers and sisters, there's such a warmth and a joy there that, that just can't be duplicated when you're, when you're on your own. Did you guys know researchers have found that if you force yourself to smile, it, it relieves stress? Even if it's a fake smile. I'll read you this from, uh, from the Journal of Psychological Science. In July 2012, the, they had a report called Grin and Barrett the influence of manipulated positive facial expressions on stress response. Here's what they say. In an experiment, researchers used chopsticks to manipulate the facial muscles of 169 participants into either a neutral expression or a smile. The participants were then subjected to a series of stress-inducing multitasking activities. This sounds like something that would be done in China, right? But this was done in the United States. The subject's heart rates and self-reported stress levels were monitored throughout. Results, the participants who were instructed to smile or even forced to smile recovered from the stressful activities with lower heart rates than those who held neutral expressions. Researchers concluded when a situation has you feeling stressed or flustered, even the most forced of smiles can genuinely decrease your stress and make you happier. Some of you today, you're hearing this about rejoicing, and you think, great, I don't feel like rejoicing. I don't feel like celebrating. I feel tired. I feel depressed. I feel cranky. I feel hungry. We saw, essentially, in this chapter, feelings follow the choice to rejoice. Feelings follow the choice to rejoice. You say, okay, God, I have sought your word. I, I'm not perfect, but I have tried to obey your word. So I'm, I'm going to rejoice. And you do that, and it's kind of like uh, forcing a smile, right? It, it, it still has its effect. God's teaching us today that the times when we're low and exhausted are actually the most important times to pause and celebrate how far you've come, that God's revealed the way forward, that he's your strength in this journey. We see this in verses 17 and 18. We see after God's people have obeyed, they were mourning, right? These people were on their faces, they were weeping, they're wailing. Their leaders get up and say, no, 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 don't do that. It's a sacred day. The joy of the Lord is your strength Go eat your food and rejoice. And here's what we see at the end of verse 17. And their joy was very great. Once again, they just obey God's formula. And they end up, their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law, and they celebrated. So today, let's predetermine. I'm going to obey God's path for my life no matter what. And if you're there, then today... Is a day for you to celebrate. It's a day for you to rejoice. Because you have a good God who is a good guide. And he's never going to tell you to take a step that's going to harm you. He's never going to tell you to take a step that he won't be with you. That he won't provide for you. So let's rejoice in that today. God grows you one step of obedience at a time. Just take your next step. So that's my question for you today. What's, What's your next step? Is it you've really been running the race and you're tired? Then just rejoice today. Take a little breather and rejoice in the Lord. Let Him be your strength. And maybe as we've been covering this, you've realized, wow, there's some areas in my life where I haven't been obeying. I'm not predetermined to obey God. That's your next step today, to just make that simple choice. Would you pray together with me? Father, we thank you that you are a good God. As much as we doubt it, as much as we refuse to believe it, your path for our lives is the best path for our lives. It's the only path for our eternity with you. Lord, uh, there may be someone here today who's never taken that step of saying, uh, God, I know I'm a sinner. I I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I want Jesus to be my savior. I want to follow his path for my life. If you're here today and you've, you've never taken that step, Then today, uh, God promises you in Romans chapter 10, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, in other words, you say, God, it sounds weird, but I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I believe he rose from the dead, if you confess him as your Lord, you turn from your sin and you embrace him as the master of your life, you will be saved. Or maybe there's someone here today in the room. That's the step they need to take. If that's you, just just call out to God in your heart right now. God, I I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want to follow your plan for my life. Lord, for the rest of us, I, I know so many in here who are running so hard after you. You say in your word, you know our frame that we are dust. Lord, we get tired. We get discouraged. And there's times... When as a a loving father, it's like like me hiking with Jack out in the woods and he gets tired and, and you just say, you know, I'm just so glad you're with me. I can pick you up. You can rest in me today. I'm just glad you're here. Lord, for those who've been following you, would you today let them fall into your arms and rejoice how far you've brought them? how much you will be with them. Lord, for any of us who have an area in our life where we have not been obeying you, we we say today, Lord, we we give that to you and we, we predetermine whatever you say will follow you. I want to read you guys some words that Pastor Dan brought to an elders meeting this week. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. As we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Lord, would you help us today to trust you. Would you help us today to follow you? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.